we are live. How you doing, buddy? Yeah, I'm really good, mate. You okay? Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm really, really good. And you know what? This week, no small talk. Let's jump straight into it because I need to know your thoughts on Lovecraft Country. Go. I, I just absolutely loved it. And just despite what I was saying before about pacing myself and not binge watching, and, you know, I'm really disciplined and do one a week, I couldn't yeah. believe it when they said one every week. I couldn't... Yeah, that was really funny because oh, we, man. We, we we talked about it on Twitter, didn't we? And then yeah, someone, we did. That's right, yeah. Someone else replied. They I, mentioned, I don't know someone mentioned it, didn't they? They you, mentioned... Yeah, someone said about... <laughs> that said... They all of, yeah, you said. I think wait, you said... Wait a minute, what? <laughs> yeah, and I was like, hold on. What do you mean they're all available? I've only seen one episode. I believe HBO do, right? Because this is produced by HBO. And I believe they are, like, very strict on that. It is, they are one-a-week TV. They've done it with Game of Thrones. Obviously, massive success with that. I, I think as we as we get into this, I think it'll get a lot easier to stick by the one-a-week. But I absolutely loved it. Really, really loved it. I think, monsters aside... It really hit me how gritty and real it is, and it really brought racism to life to me. Um, and I know that's a weird thing to say because obviously you you hear about what goes on in the world now, and sometimes maybe you see it, you know how bad it was uh, in the fifties in America, but until you really see it, you can't really appreciate it. And they've done it so brilliantly. There's nothing subtle about it. I mean, it's just there in your face. Yeah. But I think they've done it quite sensitively as well. It's not gratuitous or anything like that. It just is how it was, I, I would imagine. Um, and I thought that was brilliant. I would even go so far as to say, I mean, I don't want to spoil it for people, but obviously we know there are monsters in it. I could have almost done away with the monsters. I have to say, I was enjoying it so much just as it was about this guy searching for his dad to the backdrop of racism in America that I kind of forgot that this was at the end of the day, a horror series and would have Lovecraftian monsters in it. Uh, I just, I just thought it was fantastic. Yeah. Do you know, I, I've got a second everything you're saying. I, you know, if we're talking the first episode, that was brilliant. It was great. And for those of you out there that might not have seen it or, you know, and, and those that have seen it, it was mainly revolved around them starting off their adventure but yeah, there was this yeah. underlining theme of sundown towns. Yes. And something I found very, very interesting about this. And again, this is why it's so important for art to, you know, bring bring these up. And especially in the modern day is there was a lot of talk online and a lot of people I saw, especially on Twitter, talking about this, where they all they, there was a lot of people that believed sundown towns was this fictional story element that was created mm-hmm. for this TV series. And it was very, very interesting seeing the dialogue where it was like, no, 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 like this was real. That is terrifying. Yeah. That is absolutely terrifying. And then I completely agree with you as in seeing that on screen and watching that. And re- they done such a good job in the first 15 minutes, half hour. Yeah. Really, really connecting you with the characters. So then when there is this, you know, and again, no spoilers for, for anyone that hasn't seen it, but there's this scene that is almost like a, a beat the clock scene, right? To to do with a Sunday. Yeah, that was that was super tense. Oh man, and it was so tense because you really felt for the characters. Yeah, you really, really felt for the characters. And I have to admit, I've got to kind of agree with you. Like when the monsters and everything show up, yeah, it was cool, but I was almost like, oh damn, I kind of wanted to see where this went. With yeah, I, was, I forgot, I forgot about it. I was so, you know, I forgot I was watching a horror series and I was so invested in the characters. Mm. To me, it was just a really gritty, 
drama uh, thriller but completely forgot about it and, and you know don't get me wrong i've liked the supernatural element and that comes out much more in the second episode yes but that first one wow it really hooked me uh, do you want to give just a little overview of, of what the series is actually about yeah i'll give an overview of the story of the series but then also i find it really interesting about the, the just the overall setup right and the fact that it's called lovecraft country and it is based in uh, 50s america with very very high racial tensions because I, I think that's a really interesting point but i'll get to that in a minute yeah so the setup of the series is it follows a guy who's just returned from the war and he returns finding out that his dad's gone missing his dad's gone on a bit of an adventure and he's not really sure where he is so then episode one kicks off with him and two other people starting on this journey to go and find his dad and they have to venture into what is called lovecraft country now this brings me on to my second point of why this is a very very interesting concept to me and this is why it stuck out to me a little while ago when this was first announced within horror and it is undeniable hp lovecraft is a huge influence on mm. it you know I, i've spoke openly many times about how you don't even have to have read someone's work or seen some filmmakers films to even be influenced by them because the people you were influenced by were probably influenced by these guys right like i i am personally as a filmmaker i am influenced by hb lovecraft but more so than that i'm influenced by someone like del toro <laughs> but del toro is extremely influenced by lovecraft to not to dwell on it too long but there's a whole genre of lovecraftian horror right. you could right. argue i know it's one of our topics but the thing as an right. example of lovecraftian right. horror that, that was, it's 100% lovecraftian horror mm. 100% lovecraftian horror that idea of the you know one of his greatest quotes was um uh, i'm gonna butcher the quote so i'm i'm sorry but it's something along the lines of our greatest emotion is fear and our greatest fear is the fear of the unknown unfortunately while hp lovecraft has influenced all of horror he also was a very very flawed human being he was extremely racist and i'm not talking about you know where you go well you know it was a product of the time yeah no no no. he was racist to the point where people of his time were telling him you're a bit extreme he was horrid and there are you know we're, we're not gonna dive into it too much because this isn't a full hp lovecraft episode but you know actually in the future we we might go there because that'd I, be I cool find it, yeah i do find it interesting but a lot of his stories a lot of people have dug into and believe that a lot of them do revolve around racism and it is him yes writing about that what i find very very interesting about this show is jordan pill who is the producer of this show he himself is obviously been influenced by lovecraft he understands the influence lovecraft has on horror yet he also is holding a mirror up to and saying yeah we can be influenced by these people but we also have to accept that they were horrible racist people creating this story of middle america 1950s huge racial tensions but it revolves around lovecraftian themes and monsters and mythology to me that is really smart really intelligent and a really really great way of dealing with very controversial heroes yeah i mean i 
you completely agree with that. I think, funnily enough, what really stood out for me was before uh, we, I believe we were, we were talking about this offline again, before we'd even watched these the series, or the first two episodes rather, we were talking about Lovecraft and how, you know, it's really difficult to separate. You have that kind of moral dilemma. You, yeah. you, you know what a horrible, horrible person he was, but at the same time, you, you kind of feel guilty for looking at his work and you know praising him as such a, a fantastic imaginative writer but what really struck me like literally in the first 20 minutes of the first episode uh tick freeman jonathan majors uh, you know the main character yeah. um he's holding a book and he's actually talking about a conversation he had with his dad where his dad's questioning how he can read this stuff and he had, yeah. he goes through the whole thing of separating the artwork from the person and i thought that was very clever and bang they hit it with you really early on as well yeah they really really do and i think what's really really important about this is from my understanding this isn't and and i do i do think this is important and i i openly say this as a white man it is important that this story is coming from people of color both in front of and behind the camera because it's fine for it's fine for white people to say oh yeah but separate it separate separate the man from the art yeah that's easy for us to say because the horrible stuff he's saying isn't about us yes it's a very very different story when you're telling someone oh yeah separate separate the man from the art but you also know that this man probably never ever ever wanted his story in your hands look that's a very that's interesting yeah yeah that's that's a that's a very important what 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 would he think about seeing this series based on his work from that oh, perspective yeah. i mean oh, he, obviously, he would... obviously he would not be a happy bunny no no in it i mean he, yeah he would he would definitely hate it but you know good really because yeah exactly <laughs> yeah he was a i don't know i don't want to say he was a great writer because i don't think he was a great writer i think actually some of his writing is quite flawed but he had a he had a great imagination it's his imagination and, isn't yeah, it? yeah he's it was his imagination and the way he built mythology i have to say quickly as well i've, I've got to raise this up courtney b vance who plays uncle george i oh, think he's yes. fantastic he's oh, absolutely so my favorite character oh he's so absolutely good. i think he's brilliant so good the do you know what the whole cast that no, they're all fantastic the whole he, cast for this from he just makes me he just makes me smile yeah he just makes me smile from and, episode um, one all the way through to episode two when you meet some newer characters in episode two Again, I just think it's really, really smart casting. I mean, again, you know, I don't want to, I'm not going to give anything away in the story, but in, in the very first episode, he kind of gets split up from the rest of them. And I found myself thinking, Uncle George, no, yeah. no, go and <laughs> yeah. meet up with them. Where were you? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, man, it's it's great. And I, I, I love can't it. wait love to it. see where this goes. And for those out there that haven't watched this and are able to watch it, are able to find it somewhere please do please go go and watch our first episode i guarantee you're going to be hooked and yeah i imagine weekly you know we're probably going to have some discussion about this because i think it's the hottest thing on tv at the minute it's fantastic absolutely fantastic i can't recommend it highly enough just however you can watch it go and watch it go and watch it let's uh let's move on and uh not spend an hour on lovecraft country because i know we could we definitely, <laughs> yeah. definitely could so let's touch on the indie spotlight trailer that I sent over this week. So this week it was a film called The Swerve, which we've previously brought up because 
it is a film that is playing uh, the Digital Fright Fest event, which officially kicked off today with what's more of a preview night today and then kicks off tomorrow. Uh, the Swerve is the closing film of the festival. It plays on Monday. And they've just released this trailer because they've just announced their distribution deal, essentially, that they, they've been picked up for distribution, which I'm so happy for because, like I said, this is possibly my favorite film of the year. And, you know, I saw it back in January. And to think that we're now in August and they didn't have a distribution deal, I was going crazy. I was like, is there any hope in the world for like for a good film? But, yeah, they're going to put it everywhere. So that's great. So I sent you a trailer. Yeah. First time you've seen anything from the film right absolutely yeah and to be honest with you i forgot that it was the one we were talking about that's coming up on fright fest i'm really pleased oh, okay interesting to watch it. I, I completely didn't realize even once i watched it i thought this seems i, I can't have seen this film because just from reading the premise of the film i thought this right. sounds yeah, yeah yeah very different from the trailer you sent me last week very yes, understated very. i like yeah. a nice uh more uh slow burn psychological kind of thing yeah i think it looks really good the, again, I feel like we, we, we're using this phrase a lot, but I can't help it. It's true. It does not look like what I would expect an indie to look. I mean, it, this really looked the very top quality. I would expect to see this in a, you know, a massive distribution. Actually, it reminded me of a kind of an Ari Aster film, um, just the way it was shot and the, the colour palette and that kind of thing. And I, I think it looks great. Um, really looking forward to seeing it at Fright Fest. You know, I said it before on our other episode, and I'll say it again. For me, two picks of Fright Fest are Ghost Waits and The Swerve. The The Swerve is just, oh, it's incredible. I don't, you know, it's one of them situations where I really don't want to say too much because when is there I something, saw... Is there something you can liken it to without giving it, just in terms of feel mm. or mood rather than storyline? So I suppose, I mean, obviously I've only seen the trailer. Was I way off with my Ari Aster comment? No, not too much. Not too much in the set. It's not as possible supernatural elements. It, it so. can get very surreal. Yeah, it? yeah, very. That's the, that's the right word actually. Very surreal. This is very, very clever at watching a woman descend into utter desperation, like utter defeat, to where it's you know it's kind of desperate housewives in the most bleak sense it's, mm, it's mm. so powerful man it's so powerful and again i really don't want to say too much purely because if anyone was on the fence about you know what to watch on monday at fright fest or, or maybe maybe you know you, you're not even watching some films at fright fest but you can buy a single ticket for this and stream this on and monday it's a, it's, it's a fiver isn't it it's a fiver yeah it's a fiver it's, it's a fiver to stream any of the single films at Fright Fest, five five ninety nine, I believe. If you're free on Monday night, I think it plays about seven eight pm. If you're free, you do it. Five ninety nine gets you a link to the film. Just just do it. Just watch it. And you know, I I really am going to leave it there because I want you to go in like I did when I saw it at Panic Fest. I just went in cold. I didn't I didn't know what it was. I know all I knew was the guys that made it were there. And I knew this was a film that was getting a little bit of buzz from people that had seen it. But that was all I knew. It's so powerful. It's so outstanding. If you do want to know a little bit more, obviously we're dropping the trailer link down below. But the trailer doesn't... The trailer gave nothing really no, to me no. to me at all, other than 
it, it does a good job of building the kind of suspense and the tension you know it really gets your interest and yeah i mean as, as i say just from reading about it it was one that i wanted to see obviously you said how good it was um yeah in i don't know if it was the last episode or one before but you you told us how how what great film it is yeah. Uh, yeah i'm really excited for it honestly you're gonna love this and we're definitely you know we're gonna talk about it in the future go and watch it if you've got the time if you're free on monday night go you know get get your ticket also you know it helps support these guys you know the more people that watch it the better the more people that run it on a riverbank the better i did have the pleasure of meeting these guys i i ended up going out um for lunch with them and or, or breakfast and it, it was incredible like they're they're such nice guys they're really really down to earth they honestly don't even know the absolute gem they've made you know like they're just they were so humble and so they were way more complimentary about like my short film and they were more bothered about talking about my short film than mm. like you know peddling their own stuff and that that's incredible yeah. man because you know because i'm watching this going well one day one day i might make a film that good hopefully i don't know but you know you're sitting at a table with them and they don't even care about talking about their film they that's really cool well you do yeah really really great vibes really really amazing people and definitely want to go and watch and yeah i'm gonna leave it there if you want to if you want to yeah awesome i mean i yeah check I, out the trailer I, yeah i mean i'm gonna be watching it for sure without a doubt right i'm gonna let you uh pick up the next one i'll give it a little bit of an intro but it's news that from what i understand dropped today and was confirmed today and that is that netflix have confirmed their long rumored live action resident evil series this this was news to me and i'm actually i'm not so excited about this the reason is i was never a fan of the resident evil films they didn't hit the mark for me um, i know they're well loved um, massive massive franchise uh, like the games and obviously i'm i'm being slightly unfair you know because i'm i'm sure that the series many years after the films is going to have nothing to do with those kind of things to be fair i think the the premise of this series sounds very very interesting the whole uh two timelines thing but uh, you know I'll, I'll, I'll be open-minded about it and obviously i'll give it a try but if i'd just seen it come up i probably wouldn't go out of my way to watch it if i'm being completely honest yeah do you know what i again man i i kind of agree with you i thought this was quite newsworthy it dropped today a lot of people were talking about it mm. But I genuinely just weighed your opinion on it because I wasn't too excited about it. So I, I just wanted to see where you were coming from. I just don't know. And and again, like I, I said it last week, I think, right? Like, prove me wrong. I never want anything to be bad. I never want anything yeah, to be yeah, bad. Yeah. And I don't think it will be bad. It's just, like, do we need it? And especially the, I believe, the guy that is um, directing or producing the first few episodes is someone from The Walking Dead. Yes. So great pedigree, no. right? Yeah. But do we, I don't know, is that not just kind of the same thing? It, it could be. I mean, I kind of, uh, yeah, I mean, I suppose it's more monstery Resident Evil. I mean, I know there's zombies in it as well, but you've got those kind of, of course, I can't, yeah. can't remember what they're called, um, but those kind of big skinless cat-like monster things. Yeah, um, it's more, there's definitely more like supernatural elements. Yeah, yeah. And I think the premise of it and the fact that uh, his, his name passes me but the guy who uh, was working on the walking dead you know i love that series you know, that's what gets me interested in it if we're basing it on the games you know i'll take it or leave it uh, traditionally 
uh, game to film crossovers aren't great apart from as, a, as an aside i think silent hill is excellent i know that's not everyone's opinion but i really enjoyed that i can't I've, if ever i see the resident evil films i don't even think i've seen them all and you know i'm not slating the films they just didn't do it for me i just i couldn't get into it i didn't find uh, the cgi work scary i just it, it wasn't for me completely agree man I, I do hope that and look by no means do i think this will be bad purely based on that premise i do think they've got something there that the split timeline i find quite interesting i like the idea of the i mean I, and again i could be wrong i haven't played resident evil in some time but this isn't following any of like the the big hitters right from the resident evil no i don't think series. it's following anything i think it's just using the the like the uh, raccoon city and the yeah. umbrella corporation yeah. no not umbrella corporation yeah it is umbrella corporation, yeah it is, um, it? it is the umbrella corporation, and um yeah. you know it's just using those things i would imagine we'll see right, some okay. iconic monsters yeah. um well touching on the monsters i think you touched on it there a minute ago and this is where it sinks or swims for me is the use of practical effects versus cgi now i'm by no yeah, means yeah. saying don't use cgi there is definitely a place for CGI. There is definitely a way to use CGI to enhance the the overall experience. But I think if we're going to get a TV series where it's a hundred percent CGI monsters, I'm not interested in that. Doesn't doesn't matter how far not... it's come, and it and it does. You know, CGI can look amazing now, but it's got to be it's got to be in the right places. And I've I've said this yeah. before. Look at the Lord of the Rings, and they got it spot on. Even, you know, we've come on leaps and bounds in the quality of CGI, but you still watch those films. Well, here's the problem with CGI, man. It's like we come on leaps and bounds, and yet it looks great now, but in five years, they would have come on leaps and bounds yeah. as well, right? Yeah, so it, like, it very, very quickly outdates itself. And also the the style of CGI changes the, okay, are we going really, really realistic? Are we, are we trying to not go realistic? It's that everyone talks about the uncanny valley with cgi where it's the thin line between what's real and what's not you know it's why we can't do people why people are very very hard to do a cgi because we know exactly yeah. what people look like well even the, the digital de-aging nowadays you know it can look good if used limited um yeah. you know like they've done in the star wars films uh, grand moff tarkin and uh, princess leia i think it's very good you look at something like The Irishman, uh, the Scorsese film recently. I really enjoyed the film, but sometimes I felt that the aging wasn't quite working. Yeah, I felt in some, I felt with a character like Joe Pesci, uh, well, an actor like Joe Pesci, it worked very, very well for his character. Mm. With De Niro's character, yeah, I thought it was a bit in and out in The Irishman. I feel like the technology yeah. Yeah. was a little, I mean, it, it was amazing. And it was like in, in terms of a, a technical model. It's, it's remarkable. Incredible, right? Absolutely incredible. But then it's the same with Rogue One, like you were saying, with, with Tarkin and Leia. Yeah. I thought for the most part, Tarkin was really, really well. And I, I've only recently gone back and watched that film again. And Tarkin, for me, the eyes are a little bit dead at times, but the yeah. the overall look really works. But Leia, the de-aging of Leia hasn't held up that well. Like a good few years later, you go in, you're like, oh, that's a bit, it's a little bit rough. Yeah. You know, and I think that's the problem where, like, you touched on with Lord of the Rings or what we're going to talk about next, actually, the thing, anything like that, you know, where real practical, practical effects were used. The reason that still holds up is it is real. Like, to a certain extent, yeah, yeah. it's real. If it's, if it's prosthetics, if it's miniatures, 
I mean, it wasn't even weren't the armies real people, but digitally repeated in different positions. So it was uh, computer trickery, but they were real people. Well, that but that's that's where, in my opinion, you have a very very smart filmmaker. Oh yeah, where they know what the limits of the technology are and how far they can push it. Now, granted, filmmakers can undo their own genius and i feel like peter jackson done exactly that with the hobbit films he mm. went way too far the other way exactly the same as george lucas done with the prequels right he makes these huge strides in the original trilogy and then in the prequels goes way way too cgi heavy now granted no one was doing it at the level he was doing it back then but again the problem is it doesn't future proof itself very well yeah i, I do think part of the issue is the the extent rather than the quality i mean the quality's got to be good but it doesn't have to be perfect if it's used in the right way i watched the matrix last week literally the first time in years and that film's you know over 20 years old now and it still looks amazing if you if you really look at it really look at the cgi effects you know they're not a patch on today but because of the way it was used it works it still works brilliantly yeah, of course well there's some like a lot of the stuff again in the matrix was digital enhancement it wasn't yeah. it weren't until the sequels that they started going like full cgi like the one where neo's fighting all of the agent smiths on yeah. the rooftop like that looks really janky because it was like full cgi and it just doesn't work but then if you think about what made that first film so incredible, like bullet time and the slow motion and stuff like like they're real they're, that's real actors that are being captured in slow motion. I, I suppose it, I'm thinking of the the things like when Neo puts his fingers into the mirror and it and the mirror covers his whole body and oh, it goes right. down yeah, his throat. You know it's it, it still it still looks really good. It yeah, still it does. looks really, really it does good. Look really, really good. But again I think it's that it's that balance of yeah mixing CGI with a real world environment. And you know what like and this is probably the only time I'm ever going to praise him on a recording. But I actually think that's what Michael Bay does really well. Is like, you know, say what you want about like the Transformers films and stuff. But I think the reason why a lot of that CGI blends really well is he knows that like, if you actually look at the way he films stuff, he films it all on real locations or he films it on really huge sets. All the explosions are real. Everyone in the scene is real. And then they just put in the Transformer. So, like, you're, when you're watching it, your brain is like, well, I know all that's real. So, it, like, is, do you know, like, you know it's not there, right? It's a giant transformer. Yeah. But it's, it blends so much better than when the whole environment is. Because that, that's what I was saying about the Uncanny Valley thing. If you see something that's been CGI created that you, with your own eyes, have seen. So, th- this is why, in my opinion, like, digital fire and stuff never works because we mm. know what fire looks like we know how fire behaves we there's a certain element to it that just they have not been able to capture the problem with that is when you do try and do it with cgi your brain goes well no I, I know that's not real so to bring it back around to resident evil we've done it again haven't we scott we've, we've done rambled it again, off on one <laughs> we've done it again it's, it's it's the way mate it's the way forward i'm telling you <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm interested to see where this goes. I think for me at the minute, not that interested. I mean, I'm, on... I'm going to watch it when it comes out. I will watch it. Well, depend on who they cast as well. If you were to yeah. cast some outstanding actors, you might have my attention again. If you were to say to me, 
we're bringing in so-and-so to direct these episodes, well, now, now you've got my interest. Right. Michael Bay, you mean? <laughs> I, I wouldn't mind seeing that. I've got to admit. I've got to admit. It would be terrible, but there's part of me that wants to see that. Do you know what? Like doing a Resident what? Evil film. Michael Bay might not be Stanley Kubrick, but he's not trying to be. You know, he makes action films. He makes big box office. You, know that you are bring in the cash. That's what he does. You are bang on. You are bang. On. He knows what he's doing. He doesn't try and pretend he's doing anything more. And honestly, yeah, he doesn't care what anyone says because he's too busy counting all of his money. <laughs> yeah. But, and, yeah. But, and I'm not saying that's like what you should be aiming for. It's not what I aim for in my in my film career, but that is what he's aiming for. And, and he, he does it he, very well. No one can accuse very, him of very well. Yeah. Of not doing Michael Bay well. Yeah, that's the that's the thing with the Transformers films. People forget that you know this isn't just an, an a nostalgia property. This is a toy that was so bad at being sold that they had to make the cartoon to sell the toy. So oh, yeah. it's, got, yeah. it's it's its whole history is sell sell sell. Yeah, so it is. Yeah. you couldn't think of anyone better. Exactly. You now on the head, man. Now now on the head. You know, it'd be it'd be good to see a Tarantino Transformers though. With Samuel Jackson voicing up. You know, like a few years ago, a few years <laughs> ago, I remember seeing a rumour about it was obviously just horseshit, right? But I remember seeing a rumour about how Tarantino was being courted to write the screenplay for a Transformers film. <laughs> It was never going to happen, but I was like, oh, my God, could you oh, imagine? Oh, can you imagine the music? Could you imagine? Oh, it'd be great. Just the dialogue. Oh, the dialogue alone. Do you know, Do please, someone out there who's really good with wizardry, they should take the dialogue from Pulp Fiction and do it over the top of Transformers clips. That would oh, be amazing. We need, that, we need that. So in closing, man, what's your um, what's your thoughts on Resident Evil? Open mind. I, yeah. I come at it with an open mind. Um, I'm not too excited about it, but that that premise, especially the second the second half that's set in the future, that that that's got me interested. And yeah, I'll I'll give it a whirl. Yeah, I agree with that, man. I, I agree think with that. Though, because of my preconceptions, it's in danger of losing me if if it don't hook me early on. I'm optimistic, but I'm not. I'm not expecting too much, if I'm honest. Which oddly enough brings me on to. Our next topic, The Thing remake slash reboot. I mean, do we need this? <laughs> before it, before we even start, I've got to say, John Carpenter is probably my favourite director. Okay. And I, I, I love his work. I love his work. And he is having some involvement with this film. Right, yeah. So, so let's touch on a little bit of background of that. So he very, very recently, little we know. Yeah, he recently received a lifetime achievement award at Fantasia Film Festival. Yes. And in the interview, he was asked about Blumhouse's reboot of the thing, and he says, and I quote, "I think Jason is going to be working on the thing, rebooting the thing. I'm involved with that, maybe down the road." Mm. That's literally all we know. So it could be as you know, it could be producer, it could be music. He does music for a lot of films, doesn't he? He does. Yeah, yeah. He's been he's been involved in a. I remember seeing a film, a short film, a few years ago, and he done the music for that. I thought that was incredible that they got John Carpenter to like score their short film. Wow. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. So I don't know, man. What do you think? Well, I mean, how, how, okay. First off, how what's your feelings on the original? 
uh, are you when you say original? Do you mean John Carpenter's or do you John, mean John Carpenter? How... Right. So this is the, this is the funny thing. This film has been remade <laughs> like yes. countless amounts of time. Right. So in terms of John Carpenter's, the thing masterpiece, absolute stone cold masterpiece. I've touched on before how much I love Halloween. Halloween was my gateway into horror. Halloween is why I do what I do. However, the thing is one of the greatest films ever made is some of if not the greatest prosthetics works ever made i just i i just think it's a masterclass in everything i really really do i really really love the film so then how do you how did you feel about the i think it was 2011 the, the sort of yeah. prequel they made how did you feel about that oh man do you know what like i could actually talk about that one more because i was kind of excited about it from the point of view of i was a big fan of tarantino's death proof yeah, and one of the standout performers in that was uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, and she was cast as the lead in in that film. So I was like, okay, good. And also, right, that's that's a that's a huge plus because the original film has no women in it whatsoever. Yeah, I that's think true. It, yeah. I don't even think there were women on set. I don't think that was like by design. But I, I'm pretty sure like there's those stories out there of like it was probably like one of the most male heavy films in in history. So I thought that was interesting. Okay, it's kind of going to be a prequel that sets up where the first film kicks off, female leads. Okay, interesting. And then they started making it and they started releasing images and video footage about where they went full prosthetics and they were all, you know, everything was practical. Everything was practical effects and it looked amazing. If you've seen any of their video, amazing practical effects. And then during the editing process apparently one of or a couple of the executives hated practical effects not because they looked bad they just didn't like practical effects they love cgi they spent a ridiculous amount of money redoing all of the incredible effects with terrible cgi I so i mean i i i actually enjoyed the film the 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 prequel they made um obviously not a patch on uh, John Carpenter's version of the thing, uh, but I like the way it matched up to the original. I thought that yeah. was very clever. Yeah. You know, yeah, the, the chase of the dog at the end. Yes. Um, the, the performances were brilliant. Um, the CGI, I didn't hate it, um, but it, I didn't think it was anything to shout about either. I actually found it confusing. Uh, yeah. I, I found that yeah. the, the CGI confused me because I couldn't quite work out what I was always looking at. Of course. Um, and it kind of, I actually thought there was whether that was all I, can't, I just felt like there was too much monster now i'm assuming though that that would have been the same with practical effects because i'm assuming that they did the cgi over that you know they've redone these scenes or maybe they shoehorned in a bit more i don't know but i just felt like we saw too much of it um because you don't see a, you, the monster isn't there all the time no. in john carpenter's version it, you know it builds up to it as it should whereas you're not far into the prequel before you're seeing people torn apart and yeah. joined together. And, yeah. you know, it's, at, at times I thought it looked like it was more akin to that, God, that strange film society, you know, with the I people sort of blend, blending into yes. each other and, th you know, things like that. I but, can see that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, so then when we come to this one, we, we don't know, is it a reboot, a sequel, a prequel? I would imagine it's going to be a, it's either going to be a sequel or a reboot, depending on how much involvement John Carpenter is going to have in it. 
uh, I'm open-minded. Remaking that film, it's, it's, it's like we've said before with remakes. You either do the same um, as a continuation of the story uh, and give people what they want, or you redo it and do it from a completely different angle. And I don't see how you can do the thing from a different angle unless we get it from the perspective of the, of the thing I don't, yeah. I don't know maybe but uh, i mean i can't really see how they could go different on this one i think this is why i just it's gonna in my eyes it's gonna be a reboot and here's why it has to be a reboot i if you were to make a sequel to john carpenter's in all honesty i don't think enough people care for that to be marketable mm. Like yeah. because yeah, you're, like you've right, like yeah. you've got like if you're brutally honest, you've got your die-hard horror sci-fi fans that love that film, right? But we're in our like thirties, forties, you know. Some of the, some of these fans are in their like fifties, sixties, right? They're oh, yeah. they're not the people that make a lot of money going to cinema. You know, it's teenagers that make mm. make your money going to cinema. Twenty-year-olds that make your money going to cinema. Are there enough teenagers and 20-somethings that really, really care about John Carpenter's The Fiend. This is, this is, this is exactly no, it. No, there's if not. You look at, um, it doesn't ever seem to come out, but I'm sure it's being done, is the remake of Big Trouble Little China, starring right. yeah. Dwayne The Rock Johnson, yeah. in, in what I assume is the Kurt Russell role. And I just think, from my perspective, I think, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. You know, that film, to me, was absolutely perfect. I love Big Trouble Little yeah. China. But the people who are going to lap it up, they don't. They don't give a shit. They they probably won't even know that there was a film before it. They'll just. Well, this see... is why. This is why it kind of confuses me. The whole like the whole issue around reboots and stuff. Like the thing is a real, real cult classic. But cult classic. The cult classics become cult classics because they're not huge box office hits, mm, right? Mm. Like you can reboot and do sequels to to Halloween because. Everyone loves Michael Myers. This, this, I just don't see it. So here's where I kind of leave this because it was saying we touched on a minute ago, right? Or, or even right at the top of the show. The thing is very, very, very heavily influenced on Lovecraft. Mm. Massively influenced on Lovecraft. The, the whole premise, the whole setup is Lovecraft. Why? I like I don't see and look like Jason Blum knows way more than I do about any of this stuff. But I don't see how there is so much more name value in just using the title the thing than adapting another Lovecraft story within this same vein, right? Of a out in out in the middle of nowhere. Bunch of people come across some kind of monster. They're all going insane. They're all paranoid. They're all, you know, it's classic Lovecraft. But mark it on the whole Lovecraft angle because there's been a huge re resurgence of people reading Lovecraft. Obviously, Lovecraft Country has now brought it even more to the forefront. Why would you Why would you not try and make something original? I don't get it. You're never going to touch on what John Carpenter's yeah. done. Yeah. And, yeah. and the other, you know, again, what John Carpenter done was a remake. Very yeah. different film. Yeah, Very, yeah. A vastly different film to howard hawks's film but still it was a remake you know and and they've constantly remade this film and john carpenter made a masterpiece don't touch the masterpiece you don't you don't need to there's i just don't see where else this can go it isn't a story it's that um 
warrant. It's quite a strange one, isn't it? As you say, because it's not as if it's a it's a <clears throat> it's a particularly hot property that people want to see. And I would liken it to uh, there's another film of John Carpenter's which isn't as well known even as The Thing, but I think it's great. Is in the Mouth of Madness. Um, oh. And if you if you imagine that, if someone said we're remaking it straight, I just why? That's Lovecraft as well, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. all the tentacles and yeah. you know other dimensions and things. But yeah, yeah. it's. Uh, and I just think why, you know, not that they are remaking it, but if they suddenly announced we're remaking the Mouth of Madness, I'd be very upset about that on my keyboard. <laughs> but I just think, what is, what's the point? Well, there is that based on the, what's the Lovecraft story called? At the Mountains of Madness? Yes. It hasn't yes, been, yes, hasn't Del Toro yeah. been trying to do that for years and years and years and years? I believe so, yeah. No one will give him any money to do it. See, I think Del Toro could do a good lovecraft horror. oh he's the he's the ultimate filmmaker to do it yeah if there's anyone out there that can do it it's him it really is like do that come on jason do do that let's get a lovecraft film made by del toro i'd rather see that i just don't know again please prove me wrong please like just create an amazing reboot an amazing scene i mean look i'm i'm gonna watch it so i will watch it but um yeah again open-minded i mean yeah I, I love the film so i'm I'm gonna i will watch it and just hope that it's i can't hope that it's brilliant i just hope that it's not bad yeah i and not to you know i never want to end on a downer so the one thing i will say with this is i think jason blum and blumhouse especially they they know what they're doing they have real horror pedigree so yeah if they are going to do this man they're, they're going to know that people want the practical effects right they're going to know that was a misstep with the last one getting rid of practical effects so i think if we are going to get anything from this hopefully it's that well let's let's look at some of their other things are they full of cgi their other horror films not particularly no not too much no yeah so i you know we could be we could be looking at it wrong i mean you look at the positives as you say and um if, if anyone's going to do it they're a good company behind it yeah let's let's hope so man. we're optimistic yeah yeah optimistic i would i rather them spend the money doing something else yeah of course but if they're gonna do it, hey, do the best you can, right? Yeah, exactly. Do the best you can. Exactly. All right, buddy. It's time. Oh, creepy link of the week. Well, I won't. I won't tell you what it is first, but I sent you a short uh, piece of film uh, by Jan Schwankmeyer, uh, which I hope I've said correctly, who is a Czech animator, stop motion animation puppeteer filmmaker. Uh, what did you think of it? Dude, I love this. Like, I love. Do you know? Do you know who uh, Jan? See, by name, by name, no. But based on like this film, I feel like I've seen other work. He's he's very he's he's been prolific in uh, this kind of animation since the nineteen sixties, the late nineteen sixties. He's he's about eighty five years old now, and he's just. He's just crowdfunded his last film, I believe, which is called Insect. And it's I yeah. think it's based on Kafka's Metamorphosis. Wow. Uh, all of his films are incredibly surreal. Very, very, very surreal. None of them are all out scary, but they're very surreal and they can be very creepy. And probably the famous one that you see a lot of uh, gifs of and, and little pieces of it is Jabberwocky. 
Yes. Uh, and that's yes. the one where you've got these little dolls and they're eating lunch and the lunch that they're eating is other doll parts, so arms and heads and feet and stuff, and it's yeah. all stop motion done. Um that's right. that's his yeah. most yeah. most famous, I believe. Uh, what I sent you was a small clip of his take on Alice in Wonderland. And it was his first full length film. Uh, he's, he was he'd done lots of short films before. I think this was 1990 or 1988. Okay. Yeah, his first full film, and he made it because he was very disappointed with all of the adaptations of uh, Alice uh, through the Looking Glass, wherever the wow. first book was. He wanted to make a much more surreal, dreamlike kind of film, uh, and a much more dark, you know, uncompromisingly dark at times. And yeah, so I sent you a little clip of that. What did you think? So there's a full version. Oh yeah, this is this is three minutes of a full film of Alice in Wonderland. Wow. It's, called, it's called Alice in in Czechoslovakian. I think it's something more like um, what Alice has or something like that. Wow! See, I didn't. I had no idea. Yeah. So, so I, I know I've touched on previous episodes, but just for you guys and girls out there listening, the way I like like Chris literally sends me these links moments before we're about to record. I watch it. And then and then and then we start recording, right? We go live and we record. I don't have time to work out who these people are or or research it. And if I'm honest, that's the way that's the way I like it. Yeah, that's good. Because I love hearing these stories, man. And I had no idea there was like more to this. And now I need to see it. Oh, you've 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 got to check him out. You, you, oh my god, he's Dude, got like these, these three short films as well, very short films, which are called Food, um, Breakfast, Lunch, and Dinner. Um, and they get progressively uh, more explicit and more extreme. And uh, I was actually going to send you a dinner, which was the, the more extreme one. Right. But I wasn't sure how you'd feel about having a, a link to that uh, associated with the channel. Yeah. But it's, uh, you know, check out all of his work. I mean, it's they're not easy watches. I, I think he's incredible. I, I, think I love this. It, I thought this was... Did there... you Did you get the feeling of any kind of Alice in Wonderland vibes from it? kind of i mean at the end yeah definitely yeah. like the the way it ends is like oh okay that's is that what did... you're trying to say so yeah like definitely at the end but i tell you what i did i actually got when was it when was this made because i got 88 yeah i think so yeah oh that's interesting because i actually got a bit of toy story like some of the yeah the like i don't know what you call them like figures or, or whatever it is he uses so is it, is it too far-fetched to imagine that people who have gone into animation as a career the guys at pixar they must have studied yan's work in oh you know without that without well they i mean pixar is very especially early pixar they're very well known for actually being very very adult animators yeah. and sneaking adult themes into the original story uh, toy story had some very dark moments. oh yeah it's got some it's got some great gags it's got some great gags you know the it's still one of it was still one of my favorites that most people still don't realize to this day it, it just blows it, you know it blows my mind because it's so amazing is the when woody is in uh sid's room and all the little toys are coming up um that he's kind of like butchered and you've got that toy that is barbie doll legs that are wearing fishnets with a giant hook on the top of it yeah and that's the gag of she's a hooker yeah and it's it's so great and like you know still when sometimes you know when that comes up or whatever people are like what what but yeah what, it's what i what I like in uh yan's 
version of Alice is if you saw, I mean, I don't know why there's like those skeletal guards chasing her around, but you'll notice there's a, the white rabbits there. Yes. Um, at the beginning of the film, Alice, like real life Alice, is sitting in like a study or whatever at home and she suddenly there's a white taxidermy rabbit in a case that comes to life, bursts out of the case and grabs some scissors and runs off. And then that's how she starts chasing him. Um, what's interesting is I believe at the beginning of the film is it says something like Alice is going to sleep. You'll need to close your eyes so you can see it, too. And then, you know, just a nice little surreal, you yes, know, comment yeah. that, you know, to, to enforce that kind of dreamlike yeah. nature to it. If you, if you check out, and Jan's actually got a YouTube channel, um, and that's where I got these little clips. So he's got clips of some of his films uh, on his YouTube channel. Right. And he's also got, there's interviews with him. Um, you can find uh, Jabberwocky and a couple of his short films on YouTube. See, Jabberwocky is uh, the one I've seen. That's the one yeah, where that's... I'm watching this going, man, I've seen something before. Yeah, I've seen exactly. something like this. Jabberwocky is the one. There's one that I thought you might like is they've got it's very old. It's very early 60s. And it's um, his take on Punch and Judy. And there's some oh, real, wow. real creepy, uh, you know, those monkeys with the symbols and that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And it looked, you know, considering it's the 60s as well, it looks fantastic. Oh, that's that's the cool thing about his work. It looks the same throughout all of his career. Of course. It doesn't yeah. look like it's changed a thing. He's just doing what he does. It's so unique as well. Yeah. It's so unique. Everything about it, not just the way it looks, but the sound design and the, yeah, everything, man. I just, I literally love this. Absolutely love it. Out of everything you've sent me, it's probably my favorite link so far. Really? Yeah, without a doubt. It just, it really, really worked for me. It really, really stuck with me. It, it genuinely has got, and again, I'm not going to ruin it for anyone, but there's a moment where, um, I, I won't say exactly what happens, but it basically it's all stop motion and all very fantasy. And then there's one moment where real life kind of comes into it a little bit. Yeah. 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 And that I was not expecting that. So like that happened and I genuinely was just sitting here watching it. I went, Oh, and for me to get vocal, like that's quite rare. Like I don't get vocal with, with films, you know, I'm not that surprised that often to the point where I, you know, vocally show that. But with this man, I did. I was like, oh, okay. I didn't see that coming. And it was, yeah, man, really, really worked. Cool. If you can see the full film, it's it's really good. Oh, I'm going to hunt it down, man. I'm going to hunt it. Honestly, this is one that this is one that really, really stays with me. Like this and the Ooh. Teletubbies. I keep bringing the Teletubbies one up, but that's still works well. Um, I like but... to change it up every week. And I've got to say, next week is not going to be for the fate of art. You know, bring bring a spare pair of underpants. Time. Well, that's a tease. It's that's a tease. It's, it's pretty like bad, that. Scott. It's it's pretty bad. I like that. Well, what a great way to end. <laughs> I love that. What a great way to end. Bring a spare pair of underpants for next week. <laughs> I can't outro better than that, Chris. Well, that, there's you, the end you, for you. <laughs> you've ruined my job. For me. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, thanks, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in again. It's been real fun, this one, Chris. Every week just seems Brilliant. to get better and better and be more and more fun. And, yeah, well, we're already set up for next week, so I'm looking forward to that, buddy. Yeah, it's going to be really good. All right, guys, thank you so much. And until next week, Horror Hounds, stay safe. Cheers, guys. Bye.